Hello, 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 what's going on, everybody? This is Sydney Smith, the host of this incredible podcast, The Real Queen Sid, and this is episode 237 of The Real Queen Sid Show. And I have been reading this book by 50 Cent or Curtis Jackson, and I it's called Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter, and it is so good. It is so good. I cannot wait to train more out of this, but he essentially, each chapter is a different principle uh, that he goes over for successful people. And so this chapter that we're going over in this podcast is the principle of the heart of the hustler. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. uh, And I can't wait to train more from this book. Uh, It's really, really powerful. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. If you get any value from this, please make sure to screenshot it, share it into your Instagram stories and tag me at the real queen Sid and write your biggest takeaways on there. That's one of my favorite parts about getting those tags. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And let's get into this episode. But today I want to talk about the heart of the hustler. Uh, and so how you can start developing the heart of the hustler, right? And so if you guys are excited about this, make sure you share it out. Drop me the word shared in the comments below. And, um, I will give you a first and last name shout out if you do share it out. So the heart of the hustler is essentially, it's the principle number two uh, that he talks about in the book. And essentially, if you think of a heart of a hustler, it is the person that like, when you hear their story, you're like, damn, they had everything stacked against them and they won anyway. They had everything stacked against them and they out worked the competition so that they could win anyway, right? And so the first person that I think of when I think of this is David Goggins. And he's been somebody that I've always really, really enjoyed following and I've always really, really enjoyed listening to um, because David's story is absolutely it's absolutely transformational, right? So David Goggins started as a pest control man. Um, he was like 200 pounds overweight. And one day he all of a sudden saw a commercial on TV to become a Navy SEAL uh, for the Navy SEALs. And he's like, I want to do that. And so he went into the recruiting office and he was like, he goes to the recruiting office. He's like, I hate my job. I don't want to, I don't want to do what I want, what I'm doing anymore. I want to become a Navy SEAL. And they looked at him and they were like, bro, uh, <laughs> you are way too overweight. This is the weight, the weight class that you have to fall into. You're out of shape. There's absolutely no way. And he said, all right, just give me a month. And so within a month, he ended up working out a ton, eating healthy, just really, really outworking the competition and getting to drop. Like, I think it was something like 80 pounds, like something ridiculous, 60 pounds, something like that. And ended up being able to enter into the Navy SEALs. Now throughout the Navy, his Navy SEAL experience, uh, he had, been through hell week, I think three times. Um, he got injured the first time, the second time he failed on the swimming. Uh, and then the third time is when he actually passed through hell week. And so if you, if you don't know David Goggins, I definitely recommend looking him up. He's incredible, but he's the first person that I think of when I think of the heart of the hustler. So if you guys could drop in the comments below, somebody that you kind of think of when you're like, okay, the heart of the hustler, right? So This is the person that when everything is stacked against them, they are still going to win because they will outwork the competition. Those of you, Annalise, uh, Annalise Cunningham, thank you for sharing. Those of you that know Jessie Lee Ward, maybe you think of her, maybe you think of somebody that you look up to in whatever you're interested in. Maybe it's a sport, maybe it's a gymnast, maybe it's whatever, but I want you to have that person in your mind as I start going through the characteristics of a hustler. If you shared and I forgot to shout you out, please say shared again and I will shout you out, okay? But one strong work work ethic is the, a strong work ethic, I'm not, I've never been good at reading out loud. A strong work ethic is the one trait all successful people share. And so this is the heart of the hustler, right? So the, the work ethic that people share, I love it. Thank you guys for, uh, for dropping yours in the comments. Megan Lilly, thank you for sharing, babe. 
Yes, there are some people who find success through talent, luck, and circumstances, or even inheritance, but those, those same people never hold on to it. The truth is I work much harder than I play, and that's because I enjoy the work more, right? So this is the heart of the hustler. I'm going to tell you guys how you can start developing the heart of the hustler because this is a super important characteristic, probably one of the most ones, most important characteristics. But uh, 50 also says in here, Curtis Jackson also says in here, I've made a blush, flesh and blood just like everyone else, but I want it more. And I love that line because that line makes me think of Jessie Lee. Um, so those of you that know Jessie Lee, everybody calls her an alien. She outworks everybody. She outsells everybody. She outrecruits everybody. And everybody just calls her an alien. And I have always hated that because I think it sets this un unreachable standard, right? It sets this, it sets this standard that she is just not human. And that's why she's successful rather than number one, giving her the credit for the success that she's built. She just works harder than people. She's made of flesh and blood. She's not a damn alien. She just works harder than people. And also if you had the same heart of the hustler, if you had the same work ethic, if you had the same, if you had the same, you could do the same too. Stop calling people aliens and putting them up on this pedestal so that you can give yourself an excuse to not have the heart of the hustler. Does that make sense? Can you drop me a yes in the comments below if that makes sense? So the first characteristic or the first way that you can start creating the heart of a hustler is you have to commit to a clean lifestyle. And what I mean by that is, is if your body is not in shape to hustle, you will never win, right? So I don't have the greatest diet. I am not the best at working out. However, I am working on these things because I think they're super important, right? So 50 talks about a couple different aspects of having a clean lifestyle, but this if your body is not in working shape, you're not going to succeed with the heart of a hustler, okay? So if your body is not in working shape, so he talks about four different areas that you need to be paying attention to. Number one is your diet, right? Now, what are you eating? Are you eating clean foods? Are you eating freaking Pop-Tarts pop and, and Little Bites all the time, right? I am. I did eat Little Bites today. It's so bad. But are you eating? What does your diet look like? Is it a clean eating? Is it a diet that's actually for for fuel, right? I know that food tastes good and I know that cheating every once in a while is really, really fun, but remember that the sole purpose of food is for fuel. And that goes along with how much water are you drinking? The second part of living a clean lifestyle that he talks about is exercise. This is literally getting up and moving your body. It doesn't have to be hardcore working out. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, but 50 talks about how even if he's at, if he's recording in the studio until 2 a.m., he's always getting up for his 5 a.m. workout. It's something that he never skips because he knows that to have the heart of a hustler, to have the hustler mentality, to hustle harder, his body has to be in working condition. Does that make sense? Are you guys like getting some value from this already? Can you drop, can you drop me a yes in the comments if you're getting some value or, um, or make some hearts fly across the screen or something? You shared to your friend, I don't know how to pronounce your name, but Bonnie Mod. I don't know how to pronounce your name, but thank you for sharing. I appreciate you. Okay, so um, then he talks about drugs and alcohol. So he said, if you don't know this about 50, I love this. So 50 said, said that it was super important for his rap career for him to still be in the clubs. However, he rarely drinks. And that's probably something that you don't know about 50. He rarely drinks and he doesn't do drugs. He doesn't smoke weed. He doesn't do any of that. And that's because he feels like he needs to be alert all the time, right? And so he has an occasional drink every once in a while, but being in the clubs, coffee, coffee meets beauty. Thank you for sharing, babe. Uh, woo! All right. So if 
he, when he's in the club, this is something you might not know about 50 Cent, but when he's in the club, if he is in the VIP section and he buys a bottle of champagne for the whole VIP section, he pours a glass of champagne for everybody in the VIP section. And then what he does is he has one of his people go fill that bottle, that empty bottle of champagne with ginger ale. So he walks around the club with a bottle of champagne that's actually filled with ginger ale so that he can keep himself sharp, so that he can look out for business opportunities, so that he can still have the presence in the club, which is important when you're a rapper, but he's not, um, he's never missing his workouts. He's never missing a meeting. He's never messing anything up because he's always super cognizant. Isn't that so cool? So he walks around with a bottle filled with ginger ale. Nobody knows. He's still the life of the party. He's still fun. He's still engaging with people, but he never ends up feeling like crap. So he commits to, to the lack of um, drug use and the lack of alcohol use as well. And then the last thing that he talks about with, uh, with making sure that your body is clean is he talks about sleep. And so 50 uh, is somebody that he said that this is one of the places that he needs to work on the most is, is his sleep. And I don't know which one. Can you guys drop in the comments below which part of your clean lifestyle you need to work on the most? Food, exercise, alcohol, and drugs or uh, sleep. And so he said sleep is the one that he needs to work on the most. And so what he has done is Sunday mornings are his sleep in days. Uh, and so he never schedules anything Sunday mornings. And so Saturday night he goes to bed by midnight and then he sleeps in until 10 or 11 in the morning uh, on Sundays and makes sure that he catches up on some of his sleep. So these are all super, super important areas in which uh, you need to have a clean lifestyle so that you can have the heart of a hustler, so that you can have the hustler mentality. Oh, Megan's like, I lack sleep. I average three to four hours a day. I, with this 90 day run, made it very, very, very important for me to uh, make sure that I'm getting enough sleep because I know that if I'm going to be doing this every single day, I need to make sure that I have the proper amount of sleep. And so 50 talks about how um, to start developing healthy habits. I've said this a few times on trainings before, but to start developing healthy habits, stop saying like, I'm going to go to the gym every day for the next whatever, forever, or stop saying things like I'm not smoking weed anymore, or I'm going vegan. These sort of, he says, these sort of statements may, may sound good in the moment, but they can feel so ambitious that you give up before your transform transformation ever gets started. So whenever 50 is trying to develop a new healthy habit or a more clean lifestyle, he says, instead of saying I'm not smoking weed anymore, he'll just say I'm not smoking the next month. So he commits to a habit for 30 days. And for 30 days, you just commit to making that habit a little bit clearer. So for him, if it's something like smoking weed, we'll just say that because that's what 50 talks about in the book. I love this book because I love that he talks about being on the, like all the lessons he's learned on the street. Uh, and so if you're saying I'm not going to smoke weed for 30 days, maybe the first week, like, you know, that if you go to the club, you always smoke weed before. So you just don't go to the club that week. And then the next week you avoid hanging out with your stoner friends and you go to the gym or you watch Netflix or you hang out with your friends that are not stoners and you do something else, right? And then by week three, you're already more than halfway through and you only have two more weeks to go. And then at the end of the 30 days, you can really evaluate, did that help my lifestyle or no, right? So these short, short, short 30, not the short, these smaller commitments, just saying, I'm not going to smoke weed for 30 days, or I'm going to eat clean for 30 days, or I'm going to go all into my business for 30 days and allowing yourself to go week by week by week by week and allow yourself to make better choices this week and then better choices this week and then better choices this week and then better choices this week. All of you can do this, anything for 30 days. 
All of you can do anything for 30 days. It's just a matter of becoming, becoming, making better choices week by week by week. So instead of focusing on forever, right? This is how addiction works as well. So you guys, if you don't know, I'm in recovery. This is how addiction works as well. I didn't, I never said I would stop doing drugs forever. I never said, I never committed to that. I committed to tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and now I'm five and a half years in. I never committed to forever, but I did commit to today. And tomorrow I'll commit to today again. And then the next day I'll commit to today again. And today and today and today and today and today and today, that's all you have to focus on. And so if you have that confidence in your commitment by week three, you're going to be coasting. Whatever it is that you want to improve or correct, commit to it for 30 days and see how it changes your perspective. You're going to find that some of the things that you couldn't live without were actually standing between you and your best life. You need to write that down. If you didn't write that down, you silly. You are going to find that some of the things that you couldn't live without were actually standing between you and your best life. Woo! Woo! <laughs> okay, so the next part that he, that he talks about, about uh, the heart of a hustler, is finding your focus. And so in a really, he talks about this guy that was uh, wrongfully convicted. Um, he was wrongfully convicted by... There was like corruption involved um, as a, what did it say? One of the few examples, Isaac Wright Jr. In the early 1990s, Isaac was wrongfully imprisoned on a life sentence in New Jersey for being alleged, uh, an alleged drug kingpin. And so he talks about how Isaac spent all of his time when he was in jail learning how to essentially fight his case. He was learning how to become a lawyer. And so he was fighting his case and he was learning everything about the law and he was learning how to get himself out of the situation because he was wrongfully convicted of being a drug kingpin and was on a life sentence. When you got a life sentence in jail, what the hell else are you going to do? Right. And so, so for some of you, I hope that it doesn't take a life sentence in jail for you to realize your focus, for you to get focused. But could you imagine if you had all the time in the world, if you were living in jail and you couldn't do anything else, how much focus would you have and how different would your life look if you could focus? And so Isaac started learning all of this law stuff and he like started helping other people fight their cases and he started helping other people get off on their cases. And as he started winning these cases for other people, he was building his confidence and building his repertoire and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. And he says, there's a line in this that I highlighted. It said, Isaac, Isaac wasn't willing to wait for someone else to decide if his life was worth fighting for. He took his own fate into his hand, hands. And so the heart of the hustler has focus. The heart of the hustler has focus. What could you do if you just sat down and focused? I've had some people message me and ask me why a 90 day run or what is the 90 day run? The 90 day run is, is 90 days of very intense business focus. And so I've had people ask me, so you're not going to do anything else for 90 days? No. Right. I've set my certain break times each each week. I have set my certain break times each day. And outside of that, no, I'm sticking to a very rigid schedule because I need focus because to get to the next level, to get where I want to be, to get to the next thing, I need focus. And so could you imagine if every other distraction was wiped away and you had no other distractions but to fight for your dream? Now, in Isaac's case, he's fighting for freedom. He's fighting for his life. But you need to make something in your life that serious, that serious and get that focused as if every other distraction in the world didn't exist. What would your life 
look like. If you guys are getting value from this, can you make some hearts fly across the screen? Make sure you share it out to somebody that could get some value from this as well. If you do share it out, just drop me the word shared in the comments below and I will give you a first and last name shout out. So that is the second principle of the heart of a hustler that is finding your focus. The third principle of the heart of the hustler is passion makes perfect, right? He said, someone with a weak passion stance will probably get knocked over the first time that they meet a little resistance. So why are you doing what you're doing? What are you passionate about? What is, what are you fighting for? Because on the days when, when things are hard, on the days when you don't want to get up, on the days when you don't want to hit that live button, on the days when you don't want to show up, on the days that you don't feel like it, what's, what's keeping you showing up? What's keeping you showing up? Danielle, say me. Thank you for sharing, babe. What's keeping you showing up? He said, I'm not interested in being around that sort of energy. The people that have weak passion. He said, one thing I always try to assess in a new business partner is what I call their passion stance. Just how passionate are they in making things happen, right? So how often do you get knocked down and how often do you get back up? When, when somebody, for those of you that are in network marketing or whatever, or uh, any sort of business, when you hear the word no, how long does it take you to get up? If it takes you a long time to get up, Robin House, thank you for sharing. If it takes you a long time to get up, I'm here to argue that you don't have a passion. You haven't found your passion. Now, another way to look at this is your why, right? Why are you doing this? What gets me up every single day is the fact that my life is so different than it was five and a half years ago when I was struggling in active addiction. And I want that for every single person that joins our team. I want, I want the big, beautiful house. I want them to be able to drive the, the free car. I want them to get out of debt. I want them to be happy in their life. And even more than that, like here's the real thing. Is all the success that I found in network marketing is great. It is. I won't lie to you. It's amazing to be able to drive a Range Rover. It's awesome that I get to live in this beautiful house. It's amazing that I don't have to worry about money. It's amazing that I get to pay off all my debt. But I love me again. And I don't know any other way that I would have figured that out. I love me again. I found myself. I found my passion. I found what I'm excited about. I found something that I love and I want other people to feel that. I want other people to be able to experience that moment of I love me again. So he said, I'm looking for the same kind of passion in the people that I work with, right? So he's super committed to the things that he works with and he's looking for the same kind of passion. Brittany, you got to look at what you want in life. You got to look at what you want in life. You got to figure out what, what makes your heart sing, what makes you fight, what makes you get up. And that brings me to my next, my next point, which is actually, um, what are you hustling for, right? So this is the fourth principle of the hustler's heart. And this is the idea of what are you hustling for? And so he said, he said to, to be an effective hustler, you must be able to identify what you want. Why are you hustling? What do you want? You have to be able to identify it. Not only identify it, but articulate what you are hustling for, what you want. Because like I said, on the days that you get knocked down, what is getting you back up? What's making you stand back up? I, I really beg to argue that a lot, of you, a lot of you don't know. A lot of you couldn't even fathom the work ethic of the people that you look at that are hustlers. You couldn't even fathom the work ethic because you have no idea what you're getting up for. You have to figure that out. And so he said a lack of clarity uh, about what people really want is, what ho is what's holding back so many folks. I love that he uses the word folks. Uh, a lack of clarity about what people really want is what's holding back so many folks. If you can't articulate to me what you're trying to do, then why would I help you? 
And I think about a lot of people that join the team um, that they want this lifestyle, but it's like this, this like fuzzy dream in the future. They can't see it. They can't articulate it. They can't tell me what they want. They can't anything. And I can't help when I don't know what you're fighting for and you don't know what you're fighting for. Does that make sense? You guys getting value from this? Okay. So if you can't articulate what you are fighting for, and so he said, you still have to put in the work, a lot of it, by identifying your vision, and but by identifying your vision and giving it a name, you're taking a big step towards realizing your goal. So he talks about how like identifying what you're working for or identifying what your goal is is not enough. How many of you guys set these goals? Sometimes you set really big goals at the beginning of the year and it's like, I want to make a million dollars this year. But like you have no work ethic to actually get you to the million dollars. You put in no work towards it. You just say like, I want to make a million dollars this year and then like crush fingers and hope it happens. He's saying you have to put in the work, a lot of it, but by identifying your vision and it's going and giving it a name, you're taking a big step towards realizing your goal, right? And so a lot of people put these goals out there. And I, I did a I did a training the other day about the difference between goals and dreams. And a lot of people tell me their dreams, right? Like you tell me your dreams, which is awesome. I'm so glad that you have dreams. Like if you want to live in this big mansion or you want to drive a big a fancy car, you want to make $10,000 a month, like that's a dream. That's really cool. What is the goal that you're actually working towards? What is the goal that you're actually reverse engineering and putting in the work for? What is the goal that you actually see yourself co like committing to the work that it takes to get there? That's the difference between a dream and a goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, girl, 2022 is my work year too, okay? So like I said, 2022 is the year of the hustle. It's the year of the sacrifice. And then 2023 is the year of the travel. And then 2024 is the year of the baby. So I'm not willing to push my life back again another year. Uh, so that's what's happening. 2022 is the year of the hustle and the year of the sacrifice. So the fifth principle, I think we're on five, maybe six, uh, is never break your stride. And so he was talking about how on the street, this is like my favorite part of this, this chapter, actually. If you're here and you like made it this far, I'm so appreciative of you because this is my favorite part, okay? So make sure you share it out to somebody that can use this and uh, drop some hearts down below if you are getting some value so far. So this part is my favorite part. He talks about how there's a constant attitude on the street that people in real life don't possess. He said on the street, when you're sold a bad batch of drugs, you don't get to say, well, that's not fair. You don't get to say, well, I don't like this, like, well, I'm going to go get revenge. You don't get to say that's life's not fair. You don't get to say you don't get to because that's how you die on the streets. Okay. He said, there's this constant attitude on the street. I'll get it back on the next one. So when you're sold a bad batch of drugs, when you're a drug dealer, uh, he said there's this constant idea of like, I'll just get it back on the next one. You have to keep moving forward on the streets. You just have to keep looking at the next win, 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 the next win. And so sometimes people uh, in, in business, right, you lose a deal or somebody ends up joining somebody else's team or whatever. And we sit there and we fight and we wallow and we, go, we fall into this hole of self-pity, right? And he said... In what I call the civilian world, a lot of times when people encounter setbacks, they dwell on them. Instead of moving on to the next one, they get stuck. If a deal they're working on falls through or they don't get the promotion they thought they deserved, they let it slow their momentum. They start to feel sorry for themselves. They blame other people. They say the system is rigged against them, that their boss headed in for them, or that their teacher is biased against them. The list of excuses and rationalizations goes on and on. If they hit one little bump in the road, they pull their car over, do a U-turn, and head home. How many of you guys can relate to that? 
How many of you guys have hit a bump in the road and you're like, damn, I'm turning around. I'm done. I quit. Network marketing ain't for me. Business ain't for me. School ain't for me. You hit one bump in the road and all of a sudden the world owes you something. And so he talks about this street mentality of like, you don't get to do that in the street. You don't get to blame anybody else. You don't get to say, well, life's not fair. You don't get to, you don't get to, you don't get to. You have to say, it's fine. I'll get it on the next one. It's fine. I'll get it on the next one. It's fine. I'll get it on the next one. He said, there's no time for defeatist. Woe is me mentality on the streets. Your daily mindset has to be, I'll get it on the next one. Or you'll wind up one of three ways, broke, dead, or locked up. I love that he talks about the street so much because I'm like, this is so good because it puts things in perspective. And so then he goes on in this chapter to talk about privilege. And he talks about privilege of, you know, those people that like have never had to fight for anything or those people that like, you know, their parents just bought them into a nice school or whatever. And sometimes we get jealous of those people. We get jealous of those people that are raised in a wealthy community. We get jealous of those people that have, um, that have really great parents, right? So there are so many ways that you can look at this. There are so many ways that people can experience privilege, right? And so we look at these people that have amazing parents, right? So like, I have a great mom. Like, I got mom privilege, okay? Like, I got mom privilege, no doubt about it. And so he talks about how there are people that get really, like, all they focus on is the privilege. And he said, yes, there is privilege in this world. Yes, absolutely. There are people that have a step up. There are people that have a leg up. But, like, guess what you get taught when you don't have privilege? You get taught something that those people will never be taught, and that's resiliency, he said, I'd rather be taught resiliency every single day of the week than have everything handed for me because when I'm resilient, I know I can get back up. When I'm resilient, I know that a, a massive loss is never going to knock me down because I know that life is more serious than that one loss. I know that I can get back up. I know that I can trust my get up. And so I ask you, in what ways has your life been maybe unfair, but it has taught you resiliency? Maybe you grew up poor. Maybe you grew up without a dad, without a mom. Maybe you grew up, you know, I, uh, 50 talks about like they grew up on the streets with people getting shot. Like his mom was shot when he was seven years old. That's not anything anybody should ever have to go to, but what did it, like resiliency is important. It's an important characteristic in the heart of a hustler. Hustlers are resilient. Are you guys getting some value from this? Do you love this? He said, that guy is comfortable with success. Hell, he expects it. What he's much less comfortable with is, is adversity. Not lo or losing was not in his playbook. So he talks about these people that have, um, that have this privilege, right? He said, that guy is comfortable with, with success. He expects it. What he's much co less comfortable with is adversity. And so he talks about how if everything came crashing down right now, he's like, I'm sitting in, he's, he's like, I'm sitting in my office writing this book right now. And I'm looking out of my corner, my corner office in New York, and I'm looking down on the street and there's a hot, there's a, there's a peanut, um, a peanut sales guy down there. He said, if everything fell down right now, I'd be okay because I know that, excuse me, tomorrow I can go on that opposite corner of that peanut guy down there and I can put up my own peanut shop. And to make it stand out a little bit more, I'm going to do chocolate covered peanuts and I'm going to do cherry covered peanuts. And then I'm going to find out how to get those peanuts into the next stadium. And then I'm going to figure out how to, how to, and then he gives this whole business plan of what he would do if everything came crashing down right now. He said, I'm not afraid of losing anything because I know I can build it again. No, if it all goes away, I'm confident I'm getting my money back. And then some, we keep finding success because we don't, we don't get thrown by life's inevitable setbacks. We've already experienced the type of lifestyle that is so cold, that so cold loss, 
so-called loss might bring people. So the heart of the hustler is the person that is resilient. And so I ask you to look at the things that have happened in your life and ask yourself, did that teach me resiliency in that moment? Because you can't change what happened in your life. I know that we would love to. I know that we would love to get rid of trauma. I know that we would love, but like, what did it teach you? It taught you how to get back up. It taught you how to rely on yourself. And so he said to move like the type of, uh, he said the goal is to move like the type of hustler that 50 used to be, but in the type of settings that Curtis Jackson is now. So he talks a lot about the, the, the double ego, not that double ego. What is that called? Alter ego. He talks about how 50 cent is his alter ego. Right, so 50 Cent is the hustler. 50 Cent is the one who got him started, but Curtis Jackson is the one who keeps him where he's at, right? And then the, la the, uh, last, the last principle of the hustler mindset is to trust your instinct. Trust your instinct. And so he talks about how, uh, he said, even though hustlers are always aggressive, they're never, they're never gambling. And he talks about how every single thing that he does in life, he, he weighs the pros and cons. He researches, he looks at what he's doing, he looks at, is this going to benefit me, right? And so that way, when he makes a decision to invest in something that looks, that maybe looks really risky, okay? And I think about, for myself, I think about, I invested in a $30,000 mastermind this year. Now, when I said I was going to do that, Holly looked at me like I was absolutely insane. She said, we're paying for a wedding, what are you doing? And I was like, I have to. I have to, because this is a calculated risk. Because if I don't invest in $30,000 in myself, and in my growth and in my education, how can I expect to be a millionaire a year from now if I'm not willing to invest $30,000 into myself, right? That's the heart of the hustler, but it's trusting my instincts. It's trusting that I can rely on myself to make sure that I have the money to do it, to, the, to make sure that I have the money to get it done. That's trusting your instincts. And so he said, I don't even bother putting together a plan B. Why would I need a plan B when I'm dead certain that plan A is going to work? And so I think about, um, I love I love that mentality because that's how I've always done things, right? Every single thing that I've done uh, may look really risky to people. So like I bought the Range Rover, right? And uh, I moved to Texas before I could afford paying all that rent by myself. I invested in this mastermind, right? So like a lot of things that I do look really risky and really ballsy. And it's a matter of, I don't have a plan B. I'm not going to not make the payments on that, on that mastermind. I'm just not. It, I will make them. I will figure it out. And so when you, when you are so certain in plan A, you don't even need a plan B because why do you need a plan B when you're dead certain that plan A is going to work? And so... He said, at the end of the day, I like being, I like betting on sure things. And the only sure thing that you can always count on 100% of the time is yourself.